Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with, uh, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Kellen Olson, our resident Suns expert and guru from ArizonaSports.com who has the very unfortunate task of talking about last night's game with us for 10 minutes. Hey, I came out of the gutter. This is fine by me. You sure you're all right? You, you, you're Positive. up for this? You, you're good? You guys don't want to talk about Marquise Chris and Josh Jackson and Dragon Bender and... Well, you know what? All those guys, no. Bad as things might have been last bad night. Bad is will... bad, right? I mean, bad is bad. Yeah. That was sustained bad. And especially yesterday we talked about how, like... The, the Tatum, Josh Jackson was the Tatum draft. Tatum went third, Josh Jackson went fourth, and they get the superstar guy who's probably going to be the MVP this year. And how many teams has Josh Jackson been on in the last three years? Is he even on a team now? Is Man. Josh Jackson anywhere right now? Might be in, on a team in a different country right now. I, was say, he's, I, I mean, sure. I'm sure he's somewhere in this yeah, universe. Sure. I just don't know where, what he's doing. I think he was on Toronto Detroit, to start the year. Sure. Toronto, yeah. 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 Jeez, I have no idea where he's at. Um, Number four overall pick in the draft. Diagnosing why last night happened is one thing. Figuring out what you're going to do about it. What if what there is to be done about it. And that's kind of the tricky line that I think we're all walking today a little bit is like you don't want to overreact you don't want to lose your mind about what happened last night but you can't not react either I mean this these last 48 hours have been eye-opening shocking troubling in many and and so where do you stand on kind of the reaction scale are you are you in the middle are you leaning towards an overreact are you leaning towards an underreact and everything's where is Kellen on the reaction scale right now I I covered this uh, at the very end of what I wrote on ArizonaSports.com after the game, just that this was just more of a reminder to me of where they're at as a team after Game 7 and just how much they have left to prove to everyone watching them. They have to prove over the regular season and then going into the playoffs like rather defiantly that that is not who they are. And, and boy, the last two games were, were not a great indicator of that by any means. I think in terms of the wrong scale, I think something went wrong is something wrong? I I don't think I go you know, that far yet in terms of just declaring that there is something seriously wrong with the basketball team. You know what went wrong? What went wrong? Booker gets off to a slow start and it's just it it it's like a snowball effect. It affects everybody. You go look at both of those games. I mean, how long did it take him to hit his first shot against Dallas? How long did it take it's almost like they like they get then they get in these holes, the big first quarter hole, and it turns into the second quarter hole, and then frustration set in. I just think against the better teams, they just can ill afford to have Book get off to a rough start because you you know they're they're not great at climbing out of these holes. Yeah, the Dallas scoreless first quarter was his first scoreless first quarter in two hundred and two regular season games. I think is the number that I had in the in the story. And then Wednesday, he just started pressing like. Six minutes into the game, after he missed a couple, he started really pressing, and then stupid he, fouls, stupid fouls, and then he had that turnover in the terrible two minutes in the second quarter that I wrote about, where his was like he hesitated, like he came around the screen, caught the ball, and then he stopped for a second. I was like, "Who's that guy?" Like he, he never does that. It it was bizarre to watch, but 
Your point, Gamble, kind of goes back to what we talked about ending the season where we want to see them run more offense through Mikael Bridges, through DeAndre Ayton, so that they can have that option to turn to when things aren't going well. And then ideally, Chris Paul is in the fold there. But I mean, that's when you zoom out and get to the bigger picture, which I think two games like this leads to everyone kind of yelling their hot takes at the sky or just like what they've been thinking about this team the whole time. I've been talking about for two years now how I think they need another ball handler, they need another score, they need another serious offensive threat. And with Chris looking the way that he did to start the season, it magnifies that sort of even more, in in my opinion. Now, we'll see how he looks over the next 15 to 20 games. But if we're in January and we're still talking about, like, is is he still the point guard? That's seriously concerning. Yeah, and and Book, and I to Gambo's point, I, I tend to agree, and I saw the same thing. The pressing part was unusual usually he calmly navigates his way through struggles like that and kind of evens himself out and I don't know if it was because he still had residual Dallas Maverick effect on his mind I, I don't know if it was because he was he was pressing because he knew Chris it was his first game back and he wasn't sure anybody else was going to pick up the slack but it felt like the whole team was pressing after watching him get off to that slow start like like they oh man Booker's Booker doesn't have it tonight and we're not beating Boston if Booker doesn't have it tonight and everyone just started squeezing extra tight on that game because of that moment. Did you see the same thing? Something similar to that? Yeah, and it just speaks to, I think, the bigger conversations a lot of people are having right now, and you guys have been talking about trade targets and like how desperate the team needs to be and everything. Just the way in which this roster is constructed gets incredibly flawed if Chris Paul is dropping off, not, not considerably, but he's just dropping off a bit, and look, at his age, that's not crazy to think. But if I go through like every team in the league and I go through who are their first two or three options on offense, like it's it's where you really start to see it. I mean, New Orleans has Zion, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum. Memphis has John Murray and Desmond Bain. Denver has Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. Dallas only has Luka Doncic. They're really the rare exception. Yes, Christian was involved there. Dinwiddie, to a certain extent. Portland has Simons and Lillard. The Clippers have George and Kawhi. The Warriors have Poole, Curry, Thompson, Wiggins. Minnesota, who is going through a lot right now. They still have Edwards and Towns to go through. Offensively, the Lakers, of course, James and Davis. I can go on and on through the Eastern Conference, too, and just the way teams are built these days to have multiple threats and multiple primary options that they can turn to offensively. And the way that we kind of looked at it when Chris Paul, again, to be clear, coming off of three straight All-NBA seasons, if he's not that All-NBA caliber point guard, all of a sudden it kind of changes the way you look at the team in terms of the top options, but also... Chris Paul was that second option with the asterisk of he makes DeAndre Ayton much better. He makes Mikel Bridges much better. If he's not playmaking as much, he's not making it better. Gamble, you've been making the point all season spot on of how if Chris is off the ball less, that changes things for DeAndre. And it took him 15 games to get used to how they were using him. And that's part of the change I'm talking about. Yeah, the other thing is that I even go back to last year's playoffs with my connections with both of the teams they played in Dallas and New Orleans and other teams. They... These teams are going to leave Chris open at three. They're going to leave him open. They're not going to guard him. They're going to bring another body back. You know, you saw it with Dorian Finney-Smith. They're going to bring another body back to help out against other guys, and they're going to dare Chris to shoot the three. And Kellen, if he's going to shoot 25% from three-point range, he took two three-pointers last night, and one clanked off the front of the rim, and the other one didn't have a chance. So you had two. if he's going to shoot that poorly, it's it's really going to hurt the Suns because these teams, they know now. They're not, you know... They are not going to give him the elbow jumper. When he hit one elbow jumper last night, one, they're not going to give that to him. They're going to take that away. And if he's not going to hit from three-point range, it's going to really, really hurt the Phoenix Suns. 
Yeah, the the big question to me now over the next eight weeks or however much longer we wait for a trade, and Kevin Zerman and I just talked about this on the Empire of the Suns podcast, new episode that went up today, is how big of a risk are they willing to take on the trade market right now? And what I mean by that is Kyle Kuzma. We just did that. Well, Kyle Kuzma is is a name that we've brought up a lot, and you guys probably just talked about. He's on an expiring deal. He's playing extremely well for the Wizards. Would you give up two first-round picks for him? Yeah. Would you give you up? You can't resign him. You can't keep him. Yeah. Guess what? You can't win right now either. So you got to pick one. Or would you rather save those first round picks and use them for something that could help you that you know for the long term for three, four, five years? What's the team going to look like in three or four or five? You'll years? have Booker. So is- you'll have Mikhail. You have Cam. You'll have Da. And you're not going to have Chris Paul. It's still going to be a really good team. Will you? How well will they be playing? How do you know what's going to happen in three or four or five years? Look at any team over the next I don't know, but like, see, I'm against this. Like, I'm against trading two first round picks to go get Kyle Kuzma. That's what I'm asking. Rental. That that's me. Now I I understand those that may. If I'm going to give up, here's my point, and I love this conversation. If I'm going to give up two first round picks for Kyle Kuzma. Why the hell not just give up all five and get Kevin Durant exactly. in January? Yeah. No, like if you're going to go that if you're like, okay, we're gonna get we're gonna dig into our inventory, just go all in. Cause all because Durant gives you one, two, three, four years. Kyle Kuzma gives you four months. Mm-hmm. Durant gives you four years. What the hell's the difference? If you're gonna give up two first round picks, just give up five. Go to the Nets and say it's not working. He has five first round draft picks and a couple of players, and we'll take. And then you take Durant, and at least you've got Durant for uh, for four years. And, and either of them is is a risk. Now you're you're right with Kuzma being a bigger risk, but Durant is still a risk in all the same conversations we've had the last couple of months. But he's a but much much better player. Oh, he's. The best he's player a in much the world. Better player. I think he's the best player in the world. I I, I believe that he's the best player. That's my yeah. point. From two so, to five, just three more first round picks, and you got the rant. It just you know, it's at some point to use a football analogy, and this is where I tend to think they need to make a deal. You can't keep punting. At some point, you have to go for it on fourth down. You, you know, it's, it's, at some point, you're, you're going to have to move the chains. You know, you are. You, you can't keep playing. Let's punt and play good defense. Let's punt and play. You know, and that, not that the metaphorically speaking, I'm talking about the Suns. It seems like, you know, not making a deal this year is just a giant punt on the season, hoping that when you get the ball back next season, you'll be able to move the chains. And I just, you've got a chance to do something this year, but not if you do nothing. If you do nothing, I don't think you have a chance to do anything this year. That's where I'm at with the team right now. It's less it's less tidying up in the margins right now and seriously moving the needle. I think that's what this team needed in the offseason. I think it still needs it now. I don't think it's crazy to say after these two games because we were talking about this in the offseason anyway. I, I think they seriously need to do something big, but I am curious to see if it is going to be the big type of move where it's considered a legitimately big risk because based on the way we've been waiting for a move, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a risk to me. All right, Kellen, good stuff. We appreciate you stopping by. You know it as always. Be good. Thanks, guys. Yep. Kellen Olson from ArizonaSports.com.